You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to The Deliberative, your premier podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as always, is Jim. How's it going, Corey? It's going well, but missing today as kind of starting to be always is Charles. <laughs> uh, Charles is once again, he's having to deal with some work stuff. He's been in a real tough season here. We're going to have to find some way to uh, record at a different time or something to get this fella back in there. We miss him. Can't, can't, can't do any more shows without him. Want him back in here. So Charles, uh, we, we want you back, buddy. Let's figure out a time we can get this going where, where you can be in here with us. But, um, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, a, been a morning, uh, already this morning. We've <laughs> Jim and I talking about the fact that my voice sounds like I like got a bass filter on or something, but I promise I don't, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Man, I I have been doing some cool stuff lately. You, I don't know. You know, we've we've talked a little bit uh, before, like a few weeks back, about uh, using the the disco diffusion AI art generation thing, which runs on like the Google Colab. Did you did you get into that and do any of the disco diffusion stuff? I think Bifford in our Discord uh, brought it up. Did you play with any of that, Jim? No, I mean I did watch the um, the tutorial that he posted in Discord, and it looks interesting. But then uh, before I started messing with it, you st- you started uh, posting some of your pictures, and like uh, the computer interpretation of what you wanted was like crazy. Like you know, like motorcycles yeah. were flying through the air, and like train uh, helicopters yeah. are like buried in the dirt. And it's like, what are you doing, computer? <laughs> like don't you know a helicopter yeah, it, goes in the air <laughs> well and and my my problem with that one and really with all the other ones now i'm on mid-journey now and i'm I'm actually really really enjoying using mid-journey that thing whew, we're entering into a new era of democratized illustration uh, which is I, I know a lot of artists out there are probably getting a little worried by some of this stuff because if I can illustrate something just by telling a computer to draw me a picture, you know, and then it's like, here's a perfect picture. <laughs> like, Oh dang. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> then that's going to potentially put some of these illustrators out of business. You know, I mean, like honestly, and I hate that for them, but I love it for me because I, you know, I can draw a little bit. I, I'm fairly good with a pencil. But when it comes to like painting a full on, you know, illustration for like a book that I'm writing or something like that, uh, I, I don't know, it, it requires too much patience or too much time or something like that. So being able to just turn to a, an AI and say, hey, paint an awesome picture of this. And then it comes back like 99% what I want is pretty awesome. But I will say I'm having trouble with all of these AI things of putting multiple multiple things in a in a photo like it's it's one thing to say oh a kitten in the woods or something you know and it's like boom here's a kitten in the woods and it's perfect but if you say something like i want a kitten talking to a rabbit and a fox in the woods you're gonna get a horrible uh mutant that is a kitten fox and rabbit <laughs> that, like, 
with like trees growing out of its ears. I mean, it's it's awful. It's like the computer just takes the things that you say and starts like jamming them together in weird ways. Uh, it's very hard to get it to differentiate. Like I want this and this and this. Like it it just doesn't do it well. So I don't know. But uh, I mean, maybe the computer is doing exactly. Your... Maybe it's doing exactly what you tell it to. It's kind of like when, like when you do programming, and then you run a program, and you're like, "Why are you doing that?" And then you go through the program, and you're like, "Oh, you're doing exactly right. what I'm telling you to do." And I need to be a little more specific. Yeah, I, I mean, I, from what I understand of the way the code works, is like. Uh, as it starts, you know, it, it starts with noise and then it, and it begins like refining that noise down into something that's looking for patterns, trying to figure out what, it, you know, and it keeps doing iterations on this thing. What it's testing is it's always like looking at what it's got and then it's going back to your prompt and it's like, uh, you know, you said you wanted a rabbit, a fox and a, what else did I say? I don't remember. Uh, a rabbit fox and weasel or something talking to each other in the woods and, and it's like it keeps looking at its picture and it's like is there a rabbit there yeah yeah i got rabbit uh, is there a fox there oh yeah i got i got fox is there a weasel there oh yeah i got weasel i got woods you know and it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> understand that uh <laughs> that it drew some like mutant hybrid mutant <laughs> Yeah, all it's doing is it's 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 checking for the various uh, you know the various words that you've put in there. You're like oh, nope, check, 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 which is why you know you run the variation like a bunch of times to see if it can come up with something that that's close to the ballpark, you know. But and Midjourney does a really cool thing with that where it you know you you put in your prompt and it just goes boom, here's four images, and then you can you can say no i want another four images or you can say oh i like image three let's uh let's give me four variations on image three and it's like boom 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 here's four variations on image three and then you're like, all right all right so oh, the second cool. variation i want you to upscale that yeah it's pretty cool i mean the way that the disco infusion thing works is like you tell it to run like 50 batches and and then you go away and it, and it runs it but the you come back and i feel like all 50 of those batches are bad like if something wasn't quite right with the prompt or if the machine was just having a bad day like i had one picture of like it was like a desert and then there was a giant piece of white in the middle and in the middle of that white was a like a child's finger paint drawing of a really crude helicopter. And I'm like, what? Oh yes. I saw that. Like what? <laughs> Why did you do this? Like that? Gosh, I just don't understand how you thought this was okay. But uh, yeah, the desert's like all perfectly realistic. And then this huge blob of white and the finger painting, like what? So anyway, but yeah, so I'm having, I've been having fun with that and I'm using, you know, one of the reasons I'm, I'm using this, I'm, I'm putting together some uh, some game material uh, for publication, perhaps, and uh, I'm looking for some good illustrations. So, anyway, I, I'll I'll talk more about that as I get along in the process, as I get these AIs to do my bidding. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what I've been having going on there. <laughs> it's been pretty fun, but but now we need to talk a little bit about some exalted stuff. So let's get into the news. Now, I don't actually know how much this first thing I'm going to mention is news, but it's news to me. But, well, it's kind of news to me. This morning, I was looking at an Indiegogo update that was just put out about the Exigence campaign. And I'm like, did we get the did we get the full PDF of the of the Exigence book where it was all put together in one piece? Like, I, like, I feel like we didn't get that. So so I went to the backer kit thing, and I was looking specifically for it, and I found a link to the PDF, and it's, sure enough, the whole thing's there. 
And I was like, oh, okay, well, let's download this and save it to my downloads folder so I can go into my uh, PDF reader that I have and import it from there. And I downloaded the thing and it's like, do you want to replace the one that's already there? And I was like, wait, there's one that's already there. So, so maybe I downloaded this thing like a week ago and forgot to import it into my PDF reader that I use, uh. but it's out. So if, if every, if there are other people out there that don't know, there is a PDF now of the full exigence, uh, manuscript preview that's on backer kit. So it's what's like the 596 what's the pages. Yeah, that's it. I was going to ask what the final page count on that yeah. was. <laughs> that's right at like 600 pages. So, uh, yeah, pretty cool. But I got to get rid of finally all of the all of the piecemeal ones from my collection in my PDF reader. So, it's looking a lot nicer in there now. Oh, this so, thing's anyway, going to have a there. little. It's going to have a little bit of formatting, right? So we're probably going to get. You know, maybe uh, not yeah. as many pages, but then when you throw the artwork back in, this thing may be sitting right. around 600 pages when it's finally done. I really doubt it would be 600. 600 pages, uh, like full on, would be close to what the the third edition core book is. Yeah. And I don't think they're ever going to get close to that again. So, uh, but I, I do think it's going to be right at or a little over what we've got for Lunars. So I'm okay. just like, I'm looking at the shelf right now and the various sizes of the books. And, um, yeah, I think it'll be like lunar size, but yeah, cause the, the font is so big in the, in the preview PDF, they're going to shrink that down and get a whole lot more of that on each page, but then they've got all the art. I don't know how many pages the art would add versus how many pages the shrinking of the font would, would reduce. But yeah, I would think it's probably going to come in like maybe 400 pages. Uh, high 300s something like that but anyway yeah it's it's gonna be a big book though and it's gonna be a big book just chock full of mechanics because <laughs> that's what the majority <laughs> of the thing is it's just like pure charms but uh but very very cool stuff uh also this week uh the onyx path was at gen con online doing a bunch of different uh, panels well not a bunch of different panels like three panels and they did actually mention a little bit uh, on exalted in their what's up with onyx path panel that they put together with all of the with the four majors you know you got rich you got dixie uh eddie and matthew that were in there and they talked about exalted a little bit mainly under the the guise of you know what why have things been slow or what's been happening since the pandemic they were kind of addressing some of those issues and because it, for those of us who are interested in other of the onyx path game lines like if you're a fan of scion or if you're a fan of trinity continuum like i am uh you will see that some of these books are like flying like they're getting tons of them tons of books are coming out but then when you look at exalted it's really really slowed down and they they were kind of addressing the unique uh, situation that exalted was in with at the beginning of the covid era <laughs> with uh with the the developers just being switched out and being so gung-ho about things and beginning that work and then how much disruption that covid specifically caused to that team and why why it's been like 
slower compared to other things so i mean that was an interesting if you if you if you have a second and you haven't listened to the what's up with onyx path panel you may want to go just listen to that few minutes where they're talking about exalted there i mean i don't i don't feel like it was anything new that we haven't heard before but it was just kind of interesting to hear them mention it in the context of their other games and whatnot and kind of call it out for exactly what's been going on so pretty interesting there other small bits of news uh the crucible of legends is in art direction so that's moving along that's a sort of storyteller's companion for third edition very much looking forward to that and what we may see in there and also if you are interested in exalted essence the exalted essence companion which is now called the pillars of creation has entered final draft status so that's moving along but that's pretty much all there is for us for exalted news but that means we get to get right into our discussion this week which is one that i've been wanting to have for a very long time based on some of my feelings about the power level of exalted what characters are able to do from a storyteller's perspective from a character's perspective and just how that ties into some of what is in the game fiction itself when it comes to is is exalted uh more of a horror game or is it more of a superhero game and depending on which exalt type you want to play that question of whether it's a horror game or whether it's a superhero game is rather easily answered. I mean, if you're going to be a, a liminal or an abyssal or an infernal or maybe even the puppeteer from from Exigence, the the question of whether it's a horror game or a superhero game is like it's clearly leaning toward horror because some of those things are very right. horrific. You almost can't play abyssals without ripping something's spine out and turning it into a, a chainsaw or something, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, you know, that it clearly has some of those horrific uh sort of feels to it. But but then when you get to the Celestial Exalted that are like kind of the core staples of the system, like uh, the Lunars or the Solars, there is just as much of a choice there between superhero and horror. And that choice is reflected in the game fiction itself when you when you talk about what the Sidereals looked into the Luma Fate. They saw that the Solars were going to destroy everything or whatever, and so they... They, they have these like two main factions, the gold faction, which believed that the solars could be redeemed and would lead creation forward into glory, and the bronze faction that thought that the, that the solars were getting so off kilter that they were becoming monsters that were going to destroy the world, and so we need to purge them, get them out of there, and replace them all with the terrestrial exalted to rule creation so it will be more stable and won't be driven to the brink of hell and so uh those (laughs) that's essentially what we're talking about today is are you on team gold or are you on team bronze when it comes to the celestial exalted and what's interesting is jim and i have had this conversation off and on a little bit here and there in the past and we've both kind of fallen on the opposite sides i guess you would say of this of this <laughs> argument so if we were sidereals we would be having this conversation directly you know right so uh so I, i'm not sure exactly how we should start the discussion maybe maybe jim uh let, let's let's hear from you to start with because i i think that the 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 default setting of an exalted game 
that most people are playing, if they're playing solars, their default setting is that we're good guys. We're going to be heroes. We're going to change the world. And so they, like most gaming groups that are playing solars would, I think, just naturally tend toward being like gold faction members. Like, yeah, we, we can overcome this great curse right. thing. We could be a, we could be good. We got this right. So you're sort of on that side. So why don't you uh, why don't you lay out your case for the gold faction? <laughs> well, I think that the uh, the reason that's the default and it it just comes from how it's presented is you get the core the core rules and the main protagonists that come in the core rules are the solars. Like here's how to make a solar. So um, I think that's just the default right. like well you know i'm not i'm not the bad guy i'm the good guy you know but in and you read like the it's funny how like history is kind of like it is viewed through wherever whatever side of the fence you happen to be standing on at that time because when you look at it from the solar perspective you were like right we were in charge and then we got betrayed you know you know there's always this sense of uh mm -hmm. um betrayal because your former lieutenants and generals basically do a coup and yeah. they, they they get rid of you and then not only do they kill you they lock you away in a jade prison to make sure that you don't come back right. so if you look at it from that perspective it's like, yeah, you know, we were wronged and now we need to come back and set things right. So right. I think that's kind of like a default view. And now I don't totally disagree with your view of, you know, looking at it from the bronze perspective. And I could see that playing the game that way would be fun. And sometimes I want to take my celestial down that dark path and you know and, and be the monster right but I, I like i i think the way i look at it in the fiction is uh the dragon bloods they've had their chance to put things right and they really haven't done a good job of it i mean they did i, I would agree with that turn yeah. away they did turn away the fey invasion but they mm -hmm. had to use solar equipment to do it you know right. they really weren't right. powerful enough to protect the the creation but uh yeah i mean i see that you know that, that that's clearly the drive from everybody and everybody wants to think well we're going to be the good guys we're not going to like you were saying i i could take them down that dark path i don't I, to see what it would be like but i don't really want to take them down that dark path but I, the way i view the, the like kind of the bronze side of the argument is not so much that you have to make the character dark but that it the power level of these various beings like especially like solars and lunars tends toward abusing power in monstrous ways all the time like you can't help abuse that power and i've seen this as a storyteller and 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 this is like kind of a a, a really interesting thing if you're a storyteller of an exalted game and you, I mean, let, let's just say it like this. It can often be frustrating to challenge players because they have so much power and you put NPCs in their way and 
you, you want to use the rules as written. You want them to be able to use their powers and you want their powers to be meaningful and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you kind of want to have like some challenge. You want, like, let's say you want an NPC to keep a secret or you want, uh, you know, this person not to bow down to the will of the exalt. Well, if you, and, and I've especially seen this in social exalts or exalts that have put a lot more of their charms in the social categories. But if you, if you, have a situation where you're you've got your npcs that you care about or whatever that you know that are part of the story you're using them to drive the story and you put them in front of a social exalt that dude can just he can do to them socially what the combat monster can do to an extra you know physically like or it's just like you can just kill them outright you don't even need to roll anything you just pick them up and like break them in half and it's like you know you don't even need to roll yeah that dude's dead he's in two halves on the ground well that's yeah, what I, a was, I was gonna make a comment on that that's something that i've noticed is like you know i'm like combat default i want to right. be able to like go in there and kill the bad guy right. but some of the, the the people that we've been playing with are a little bit different and come up with these social kind of characters and to like completely manipulate how a person feels about something yeah. or thinks about something like you yeah. read like that's that's kind of evil <laughs> it, it, it's monstrous it's it's honestly monstrous i mean it's, just do the decent thing and just cut my head off you know i mean <laughs> you're gonna like make me like hate my whole family and go butcher them in the middle of the night uh. It's awful. It's it, it, as a storyteller sitting here. I'm just like, you know, I want this character to have a meaningful role, and the and the the player on the other end of the table is just going, okay. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to use my manipulation excellency, and I'm going to add like 14 dice to this roll, and uh, and it doesn't matter what he thinks. I'm going to make him completely forget that he's married. And just take away all of his uh, intimacies, and I mean, not, of course, it, it would take time to do all this kind of stuff. But the fact that <laughs> you, you look can at the poor human stats, and you got to roll against oh, a yeah. two or it's, something yeah. just to get it's, at it. It's yeah, like, there's literally like no, there is no contest, right? The, <laughs> the the exalted character is going to win every single time in our uh, in our current game that I'm running. Uh, where Jim's a player and we have a couple other players. Uh, the, we, we, you know, early on in the game before the main, uh, the main sort of social character understood like how to use his excellencies. I could kind of squeak past with a few of these social interactions by just using an intimacy to bolster resolve. I could get the resolve up to like four or five. And since he wasn't using any of his excellencies, which he had, uh, he was he was not beating the resolve. And so it was like kind of, a, you know, it was like, OK, well, hey, this is this this is more what the conversation should look like. Somebody should be able to keep a secret in this particular situation, you know. But then as that character has learned, whoa, I just need to step on the gas a little bit. I've got all this essence that I never seem to run out of. So I'm just going to I'm just going to go full excellency on this. Well, now he can just <laughs> hard nose his way through literally any social interaction unless he goes up against like another exalt that can do the same thing to boost resolve with, uh, you know, with their essence. And so, you know, but normal people. Right. I mean, there's like no normal person that can withstand him. And, and, and truly from my side of the table, looking at this, 
it is absolutely horrific. It is the very definition of <laughs> it's the very de- definition of absolute power corrupts absolutely, you know. And he's not even corrupted. <laughs> like he his character is not a corrupt character. He just wants something and because he has the power to get what he wants, he just gets it. And so it, it's uh you might think of it as like a a, a nice horror or a a subtle horror but it is horrific these these characters are monsters that can just simply take what they want from anyone and uh, so anyway i have because i have seen that from the storyteller side for so long now i have really started viewing exalted not so much as a superhero game but as a game of constantly struggling with this ultimate power and uh, which is kind of interesting because, I, and I think I mentioned this one on one show, uh, maybe a few episodes back, but it's been since we've been back on the air with Second Breath. But I've mentioned how uh, gentleness uh, ha- and and meekness have become such strong themes for me that uh, that I I'm learning to appreciate those words. Or maybe I said this in a sermon I was preaching. I can't remember if it was on a podcast or or something I was preaching. But anyway, yeah, I, uh, because I, I do preach from time to time. If those of you didn't know that, yeah, it's true. But, uh, but anyway, I, the words meekness and gentleness have taken on such meaning. And really, exalted has helped me see that. Because previously, I would look at a word like meek, and I'd be like, well, I don't want to be meek. Meek sounds weak. I mean, it even rhymes, you know. Uh, but, but, but like we in in like for instance in the Bible, it, it encourages meekness, and it talks about Jesus being meek, you know. And so, uh, so that's clearly not a bad word. But then I've really learned what meekness means by looking at how a, like an exalt that has all of this power to just you know break someone in half like we said or or dominate someone's will he he has the power to do those things or she has the power to do those things but when you choose not to when you when you possess such power but choose not to use it and instead are gentle with a person that is really a high a high virtue to be gentle and to be meek and oh, I did talk about it on the show because I talked about how how I, I loved how Gauss uh, I, I I played Gauss that way well, who was my second edition solar character who just he was like He Man with like ultimate power you know but he loved doing things like picking flowers and handing it to people and you know petting kittens and that kind of stuff you know and that sort of power in check or writing tamed. poetry yeah writing poetry he was a poet so that that power in check is a is a beautiful story. And if characters can uh, can realize that, then they can be superheroes. You know, if they can keep their power in check and not give in to the more base, uh, to, to just like running roughshod over normal people, then it can be a very heroic story. And I know that in, in the story that we're currently telling, most of the characters are wanting to be that. It's just that when all of a sudden, uh, you know, some kind of situation arises where now they really want an answer out of somebody and they know they can get it, 
the temptation to just power up and get it <laughs> is like is pretty heavy. Just like if we get into a situation where there's a physical, uh, which we did have an interesting physical uh, confrontation where uh, our solar character was surrounded in the street by a bunch of just like you know regular human. Uh, thugs, I guess you would say, who thought he was weird and different because he's like 7.8 feet tall or something like that. And he's really lanky and everything. And so they were making fun of him. They were telling him to get out of town and all this kind of stuff. And a fight was just like brewing, ready to happen. He tries to walk away. Somebody tripped him. He falls like face first to the dirt. I think he actually botched that role, <laughs> didn't he? Or did yeah, he stay? I he can't did. remember. Yeah. I, yeah. See, like he fell in the mud. I, I, th- I, thought, I thought he got some mud on him. Yeah, and uh, and so like the fight was just like it was coming down, and they, and they ended up starting a fight. But he he just kind of uh, he did keep his power in check. He could have killed them all easy, but he was like disabling them by hitting them in the knees and and all of this kind of stuff, and telling them to stay down. And he he walked away. And so I think that that is a use of heroic power in a heroic way, you know. So he actually did keep his power in check but there there have been other times though where you know we've definitely seen the social side there's, there's not so much restraint there so <laughs> so anyway like i said I've, i'm on the i'm on the bronze side of this thing but at the same time i realize that the the dragon bloods have not actually done any better in this category right. like like jim and said they've you, not you see this um you see this dynamic in in comic books too like superman could have just killed lex luthor at any time you know but i mean but he always you know does the right thing and doesn't do it or um i think there's always the debate with batman like if you would have just killed the joker how many people would have you know how many lives would you have saved if you would have just ended him like 30 years ago or whatever right but you know he tries to keep these principles in check because he knows like I mean, look at Batman. He's like he goes out at night. He like hangs out with people, beats them up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. How close is he to turning into what he fights against? And right. he, that's why he sets that line, like you know, don't take a life, because he knows once he crosses that line, he's no better than than the crime that he's out there fighting every night. So right. that's where you kind of see that dynamic and. We're trying to like capture that and bring it into Exalted and like find that balance, which makes a good story. It does make a good story. And those are fun, fun themes to play with. This whole idea of is it monstrous or is it heroic is a fun idea to play with. And it's going to rear its head all the time when you're playing Exalted. And part of what helps that is the Great Curse, which we talked a lot about in our last episode with limit breaks and all that kind of stuff. And maybe how we how those things can be done differently. If you haven't heard that episode, go check that out. We kind of toss around the ideas of, you know, whether to use the dragon blooded style of the Great Curse, where it's a role playing thing, or to use the solar uh, version of it, where it's like a a ticking time bomb. But but either way, that Great Curse is going to bring some of these things to the forefront, even if you have a character who tries to be goody goody all the time. And I guess that's what's interesting about the Great Curse is that, you know, it really can cause even those characters who are 
keeping their power in check. They are being gentle. Uh, they they are respecting people's boundaries and not just hard nosing through their resolve and changing their intimacies and all that kind of stuff. That a great the great curse could come along, a limit break could happen, a snap could happen, and this person could all of a sudden be the monster that they've been trying not to be, and that makes for a really fun right. story too. So. I just wish it would happen more often. Well, not again, it's, it's one of those things that like, it has to happen rare enough that it's, that it's interesting. It just seems like with a lot of the games that we've played, we've, we've really never gotten to it in this current. I mean, we really haven't. I don't think we've ever had a limit break. Have we ever? We've never had a limit break and like 15 years of playing exalted. Yeah. Very rarely have we had many people get even one or two points of limit yeah that's limit been very is, rare it's it's rare because the way you know we're playing celestial exalted and we're setting up our limit triggers and whatnot to be something that is not common <laughs> like I my think it has to do with you actually roll for the limit for us and for yeah. some reason you always I have the roll worst low. rolling <laughs> I know. I rolled a two, a two, two, and one on your last limit trigger. But, uh, but like, you know, one one of the things like my daughter's character in our current game is uh, she has like an appearance of five, and she she uses that appearance to say that she is like one of the most beautiful uh, beings in existence. You know, she wanted to play that kind of a character, but her, and so her limit trigger is somebody if somebody calls her ugly or you know in some way disparages her appearance. Well, when your appearance is five. Uh, that really doesn't happen very often. However, her her spirit shape is a is like an anaconda, and so uh, one of her well, her main hybrid shape is like a snake woman, and it's only come out once in the game so far because she tends to use her other shapes rather than that. But uh, right, I guess maybe I should have like when she went the snake thing, I should have had more people insult her so I could have limit triggered her up the wazoo. So, I mean, she played it out pretty good too. She was like kind of fearful of taking that form and how everybody would perceive it. Like, yeah, she, and she did it in she, the dark because the yeah. enemy that we were fighting dropped like a ball of darkness on us. And so she turned into that in the darkness to try to like grapple the person with her snake coils without anybody else seeing her. But like other people were tripping over her snake tail and stuff in the dark. And they were like, what is this? And yeah, when the darkness got expelled by uh, the solar character going like full on anima, you know, like bonfire anima, all of a sudden there she is as a snake. But I could have used that to have everybody like recoil in horror and then give her like some limit. I just missed those opportunities. So maybe that's the reason. I'm always missing limit trigger opportunities, which is why I think, I think it should be on the player. Because he's a, uh, he's a, he's a fellow lunar. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it'd be funny just to say, like, she's the most beautiful creature ever, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> this, now that yeah. she's this hybrid snake woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so there, there's definitely both sides of this thing. And like I said, the great curse is going to push in one direction it's just that's just not going to happen super often but but it's it's such a very cool it's such a very cool dynamic uh i just i just wish that it would be more player driven for the celestial exalts so that the players could really you know kind of dive into that dark side a little bit more and like we said we did have one play well actually charles's character in our current game uh he set his limit trigger to be something that his character struggled with that he as a player would cause the character to struggle with sort of on camera so that he would roll limit 
uh, trigger, which is which is pretty interesting. And maybe he's found the best sort of uh, mix of all, you know, uh, by he like a player driven limit trigger. Uh, because it was like if he gives in to anger or whatever so he would just let his character give in to anger and then he would roll limit so that was that's actually a pretty cool way to do it but anyway that's kind of last episode could get back into some of those things but yeah <laughs> yeah so, I, uh, I could see charles using this episode as a petition to uh get more xp in the future like hey <laughs> remember that show you did give me some yes. xp yeah, sorry, solar solar characters don't get XP through limit break. My bad. Or yeah, but that curse. that was the whole premise of the last episode. Is should I we know. do it? I know. <laughs> so uh, I think so he's anyway, got a anyway. good argument. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but what do you think of all of this stuff? Where do you land on the bronze versus gold discussion? Are you more along the lines of our characters are always superheroes and they're always doing good? always keep their power in check or do you actually see it more as we're monsters i mean you know the fact that we have two lunars in our current game that uh that i'm running is i mean lunars are monsters right off the bat i mean sam and dean would hunt them immediately (laughs) <laughs> because they're shapeshifters, right? They, they, I mean, think about how horrific it is that you just take somebody else's face. You, you know, you could get out of trouble that way. You can sneak into somebody's bedroom that way, looking like their lover. You can, and and to get those shapes, the the standard way of doing it is to hunt somebody down and drink their parts blood. I mean, they're they are horrific monsters, and uh, even though you can play them heroically. I mean, the reality is a lunar is a dang monster. So (laughs) what do you think? Are you, are you on like sort of the bronze team or are you on the gold team? Do do you agree with me that these people are too powerful and that all of their stories should kind of be a little bit horrific because of that absolute power that corrupts absolutely? Or do you think of your lunar perhaps as the ultimate hero who always is doing the right thing? Be interested to hear what some of y'all think out there. Send us a message uh, to the deliberative podcast at gmail.com. You can send us a text message that way uh like in text like you wrote it out or you can send us a recording of your voice through email or if you want you can give us a call at our call-in number which is 678-369-1041 that's 678-369-1041 give us a call and tell us what you think about this we will put your thoughts on the air we will talk about your opinion on this thing and what would you like for us to talk about in the future on, on a future episode? If you've got a if you've got a suggestion for something for us to debate, something for us to talk about, give our opinions on, write in or call in and let us know what you'd like us to talk about. And we would love to discuss that on the air. We have a kind of a long list of things that we can talk about, but we want to we want to get to listener topics even more quickly than we run through our list that we have so give us yeah give us some, some of the things that we may want to talk about maybe not what you would like us to talk about or yeah, would exactly. want, want to hear so right. we'd like to cover what you want to hear like exalted shoe sizes you might not care about that as much as we do. No, <laughs> oh man! But anyway, yeah. So so give us a call, and and we hope to get Charles back on here pretty soon because you know I feel like whatever his opinion would have been on this particular subject would have been dumb enough that it would have caused us to really get into a discussion. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Charles. <laughs> oh, 
love playing. I really miss his input because he does. See, have that's some where you monstrously ideas. abused your power. Because <laughs> oh, I sure did. Wow, it's so horrific. <laughs> He's not here to defend himself, so He's I'm going to be heroic and step in and and uh, uh, take up for him. How gold faction of you? Yes. Well, all right. Well, that's going to about wrap it up for this one then. So thank you for listening to The Deliberative. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.